want to listen and connect, the Broccoli Community Church podcast. We're a group of Christians who meet in South East London and try to live in a way that reflects the love and teaching of Jesus. We hope that as you listen to this talk, it will help you to connect with God. And if you want to find out more about us and what we believe, head over to www.broccolichurch.london. Thanks for listening. Okay, so <clears throat> long-term investment is uh, what we've what we've got as a, a title for today. Um, and uh, I was at um, I was at West Ham yesterday again, second week in a row. It just worked out that way. And um, we we were surrounded by people who put their trust in West Ham and within eight minutes their trust was shown to be ill-founded. Eight minutes, West Bromwich Albion scored and uh, it was it was soul-destroying. There were people around me, that, I won't repeat the, some of the language that was used, but they were, their disappointment in some, in this team of 11 people that they'd put their trust in was just blown out of the water. And uh, I was sitting there thinking, oh, I need to, I'm doing this, doing the talk tomorrow on long-term investment. And definitely, if you're going to put your trust in something, it's not going to be West Ham United. Not at the moment, anyway. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin or rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and rust does not take it away and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also uh, you can't read any section of the sermon on the mount without thinking mm, yeah speaking on it on any section is just as um challenging um, I was saying to Joe yesterday, I wonder whether when Jesus was speaking about this to his disciples, whether there was a little thought in his mind thinking, there can be some people speaking on this for some years to come, and it might cause them a few trip-ups. Not in a nasty way, but just thinking, I wonder how that's going to work out for them. So, um, I'm gonna put, I've got five propositions to put to you about this passage. And um, we'll see where we go with that. I'm just going to put this down a bit. It's a bit better. So, proposition one. Something to chew on. Something to consider. Jesus was not talking about heaven as a future state or place, but as a current reality. He wasn't talking about it as being somewhere that we go to when we die, simply. He'd already been speaking in this manner. From that time on, he's, he's, uh, this is another verse in Matthew, Matthew 4.17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Has come. 
That means it's already happened. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Luke captures a different time and he said, Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. The good news that God's kingdom is present, that God's kingdom is about us. And Matthew 6.33, our verse that we looked at last year, or had as our verse of the year, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I think, it, I think that's in the passage that Joe's picking up uh, in a, a few weeks' time. But again, that sense that, um, that's where he was talking about sort of the material things. He's saying, don't worry about that. Seek God's kingdom. And not seeking something that can't be found, but seeking something which is at hand. So the first proposition is that Jesus wasn't talking about heaven as a future state or place, somewhere that we go to, and therefore everything that we do here is sort of like working towards that. But that actually he was saying the treasures, getting hold of the treasures of heaven is a here and now activity. It's not a something for the, the future. Proposition number two, the investment isn't just personal, but it has to start with you. I'm going to talk uh, just about Esme. Um, Esme lived a life of worship of Jesus. Anytime you spoke to her, her love of Jesus just leaked out, just oozed. She just oozed Jesus. I'd talk about to her about anything, and she would just start talking about how Jesus is, is with me in it, or is uh, guiding me, or leading me, or sustaining me. Her absolute trust in him to be anything and everything that she needed was it was there. It was evident. I'm sure if you're able to go to her funeral, that's something that you will hear as people speak about the life that she lived. And she lived it simply and humbly. There's no grandiose, uh, uh, anything grandiose about her. She didn't sort of stand and whirl it around and say, look at me, I'm living for Jesus. She, She just did it. Simply, humbly. And there was something of the way in which Esme worshipped Jesus that showed that she got, she knew that she was saved. She knew that personal salvation was, was there for her, but that it was so much more than that. That it's not just the individual, but it's the restoration of God's creation in its fullness to himself. That's what salvation is, truly. It's about a righteousness, a right relationship between all that God has created and himself. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it in full. And I think proposition two, that the investment isn't just personal, is that it shows 
that it's about getting hold of the kingdom economics, the kingdom way of doing things, and that it therefore starts with us. So proposition one, Jesus wasn't talking about heaven as a future state or a place that we go to, but it's here and now. We can, we can um, act towards it and act in its light in the, in the things of today. And proposition two, investment isn't just personal, but it does start with you. It requires that investment of time and effort and energy, of focus, of sitting with Jesus, of being with him before all else. Proposition three, it's not payment by results. The kingdom of God is not a performance culture. Anyone work in a performance culture? Payment is sort of like results. How much, yeah, or used to? You know, have you, have you met this, you know, what's your bottom line? Like, you know, how much profit have you made? How many customers have you served? How many widgets have you made? How many patients have you looked after? Have you got the feedback from your from whoever you've been interacting with? Are you getting 4.5 or 4.6 out of 5? How many stars? How many? All of that sort of stuff. No, it doesn't. It's not, a, it's not the principle. The investment principle in the kingdom of heaven is grace. But Jesus does call us to invest. Just read a passage from Matthew 25. Um, Verses 34 to 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison. And you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and we clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So it's not payment by results, but Jesus asks us, draws us, commands us, encourages us to invest. He requires us to act into situations in the here and now that will help others to experience and see that the kingdom of God is at hand in the way that we have known that in the way that we have got hold of what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. And that might be how we, what we do about our plastic and how we get more plastic or less plastic in our, in our households because that's looking after the creation. It might be about how we treat the stranger on the street who is asking for some money to have a meal. Do we flip a coin and walk past or do we stop and pause and have a conversation? It might be something around justice where we get involved in lobbying or advocacy 
or it might be something that we're doing in our day-to-day already that is having an impact in wider society. And yes, there might be targets put against our job, but is that why you do it? Isn't there something in the heart that beats that says this isn't right, it should be different? It should be other than how it is at the moment. And that's what drives us. It's the voice of God saying, this isn't my way. It's my world, but this isn't my way. Let's do it differently. So, three propositions so far. Heaven isn't a future place or state. It can be a current reality. It is a current reality. The investment isn't just personal. It has to start with you. It's not payment by results. Grace is the investment principle, but Jesus calls us to invest. Proposition four. He switches, I'll give you the proposition in a minute, he switches his model of how he addresses the disciples in this passage. So up till now, he has said, uh, the the three previous things, he said, when you give, when you pray, When you fast, don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other. So it's the expectation of when you're going to do this. This one and the one, some of the ones that follow, I think it's the next three that follow, he says, do not as the first part of it. So the proposition four is that Jesus was saying do not because it was something that they needed to act on there and then. It wasn't something to take into account at some future point when they did it. But it's now. It wasn't a warning for the future. It was an expectation of immediate action. He was recognizing that it was a comfortable, sorry, it was a current experience for them that despite the fact that they were walking around with the Son of God, with the Messiah, with the King, they were still potentially storing up their treasures on earth because that was the way of the world. And you didn't trust banks in those days, so it would have the idea of storing stuff, you know, would literally have been under the bed, under the mattress, in the cupboard, in the pot. There's uh, other verses that refer to treasures in jars of clay and things like that. And um, so it was, it was saying to them, do something about it now. I went, uh, went on a, a website um, called givingwhatwecan.org. If you would like a sobering visit, visit givingwhatwecan.org. I put the details in that it asks about household income and the number of people in the house and where I live in the world. And with that information, it tells me that I am in the top 7% of the global population. Take one or two of the children out. Not literally. I mean, remove them from the equation. And I move up into the top 3%. 
without changing the income because I have fewer dependents. Increase my income by 10% and I move into the top 2% in humble southeast London. I'm in the top 2%. Once the children leave home, I'm in the top 1% of the globe in terms of my income. quite a sobering thought. Jesus was saying, do not store up treasures on earth because it was a problem for the disciples there and then. And I'm not saying, I'm not bringing this as a condemnatory word, but Jesus said it because there's a reason for it. If it wasn't going to be a challenge for him, sorry, for them, he wouldn't have said it. And it links to Proposition 5. Our hearts are easily distracted. But picking up on um, something that Lisa shared in last week's service, there is already a golden seam within our hearts. It's not a doom and gloom picture. I think whenever I think of this verse, I always think of Jem, because uh, I think you, I think you've said it on a number of times. But it's about um, we are something like we are mere mortals, but we have eternity in our hearts. And we we were just we were having a conversation at one point, and and you said it, and it's I've heard it before, lots of times, but it just struck me. And that golden seam that, that Lisa spoke about last week, that's what it is, that eternity is in our hearts. But that yet they are still easily distracted. In Corinthians, Paul wrote, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this, is, that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. So, our hearts, we can, we can sing songs, or we can listen to worship music, or we can read scripture, or, or read books that people have written, and our our heads nod and our hearts go, hmm, really? You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Everything to you I surrender. I'm in the top 1% of the globe. Am I prepared to, to shift from there? To surrender that? couple of questions or a few questions just for us to ponder and I'm re- I really want to pick up on Lisa's point last week about recognizing that God has put good things in us so the first question or first set of questions is what is your kingdom treasure what is it that God has already put within you that is a glimpse of heaven 
that you can share with others or serve others with. So have a think. What's that kingdom treasure? Is it a disposition of joy? Is it a servant-hearted attitude? Is it a confidence and a boldness in the gospel? Is it an ability to manage complex situations and bring good things out of them? Is it that you're able to sit and listen and empathize and have compassion? Is it that you're long-suffering? That you're continuing to show love in a difficult situation? Are you just kind? Do you show kindness whenever and wherever you can? Are you a justice and a justice warrior? That you see those that are persecuted or put down and you shout or speak or act on their behalf? Are you someone who reflects the love of God into the lives of those who are hurt or sick? Do you physically or metaphorically pick up a coat and put it around the shoulders of the one who is naked? All different golden seams because they are the gold of heaven that run through our lives. What is your kingdom treasure? If you're not sure, get hold of someone that you know or that you work with and just ask some questions. Just say, what, what is it that you see that's good in me? Might be a bit of a nervous question. But most people will see good and they will know good when they see it. I think the reason why Jesus said this to the disciples about don't store up treasure on earth is because if you think about, I don't know, if, you, if you've watched The Hobbit, um, uh, the desolation of Smorg, the dragon Smorg is sitting on this huge pile of treasure. Gold that is just, it's, a, it's mountains and mountains of gold. And it obscures anything and everything around it to the extent that uh, some of the protagonists within, the, within the, the book can hide behind it. Sometimes positively hiding behind it to escape the dragon, sometimes negatively to step away from their responsibilities. And I think why Jesus was speaking about this was because we can hide behind our earthly treasure. Or rather, our earthly treasure can obscure the heavenly stuff. So is there an earthly treasure? Is there something that 
it's not just that you're concerned about it. Sometimes there's a right concern about stuff. But actually, it absorbs your thinking and your thought patterns and your ways of doing things to such an extent that those golden seams that we were just reflecting on, actually, they get obscured. They get hidden. They get distorted. And Jesus' encouragement is... Trust in me, and I will give you life in all its fullness. Follow me, and I will lead you in the life everlasting. And those things, those treasures of earth that... I I really hope you hadn't just bought that jumper when you found the moth holes. (laughs) Um, But, you know, they don't... That stuff doesn't get eaten by moths. It doesn't rust away. It doesn't disappear. It doesn't get stolen. It gets seen. Just thinking back to the previous passage about when we do things in secret, the Heavenly Father sees those things. You can see heavenly, uh, earthly treasure all piled up, whether it's things or money or gold or gadgets, whatever. But you don't immediately see the heavenly treasure. And the reason why you don't see it is because what you see is Jesus. When you see someone acting according to the kingdom rules, kingdom ways of doing things, you see Jesus. And that's what we're about. We're about pointing to Jesus, not about pointing to our stuff or to ourselves. So I'm going to draw that, draw it to, to a close. When I, was, um, when I was reading this and preparing for it, I thought this can either go down a really sort of like, woe is me, I'm awful, or it can go on a, actually this is an amazing thing that Jesus says. And Jesus always spoke to release. He never spoke to condemn. Sometimes he spoke to convict, but with the purpose of release. So if you've heard anything in this that is a, a condemning, a, sort of like a putting down, then stand away from that and say, no, I'm not going to be condemned. I'm going to listen to what you're saying, Holy Spirit, but I'm not going to be condemned. I might be convicted, but I know that in that conviction and in that action I can be released. So those two questions, what's your kingdom treasure? What's that golden seam that runs through who you are, who you were created to be? And then what is your earthly treasure? What's the thing that might obscure the the stuff that God wants to do in your life and through your life? And remember always the investment principle of the kingdom of heaven is grace. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Whatever you're doing, just take a moment and reflect on what you've heard and ask God to show you something to take away from it to help you follow him. And if you're ever in the area on a Sunday, you're really welcome to come and join us from 10.30 at Beecroft Garden School.